This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. Back in the new studio. The new studio now has a new table. Yes. And some new decorations. Yes. We're moving up in the world. That's it. Uh, Plenty more to come, but uh, if you want to keep track of how we're progressing in the studio, you can check us out on YouTube. Um, Similarly, follow us on Instagram. Otherwise... You can hear us on audio. That's it. That's <laughs> it. And we have a lot to cover today. We are right in the middle of earning season, reporting season, whatever you want to call it. We've got a lot of companies telling us what's going on. That's it, Ren. Big episode today, earnings wrap. Then we're going to have a quick chat about what Michael Burry is doing. And then we're going to turn to uh, an industry deep dive. We haven't had one for a while. We've got a very interesting unethical industry coming up. Hands down, <laughs> the most unethical industry deep dive we've ever done. Yes, but it did uh, it did create some questions in the office during the week. So we felt like it was an interesting one nonetheless to explore and one that uh, brought up some uh, interesting facts that we weren't aware of. Yeah, yeah. Some interesting facts, some interesting ethical questions, really just an interesting fact that the industry exists at all. But let's not go there first because let's start with earnings. We've got so much information, but Bryce, let's start with a question that it's on everyone's lips. Is Elon Musk going to buy Manchester United? Everyone's (laughs) lips. Come on. It's definitely not on my lips. No is the answer. Yeah. He's just the ultimate troll. Yeah, well, he he tweeted that he was going to buy it as a joke. Yeah. Um, and then he clarified a couple of hours later that it was a joke. Yeah. But the world had already picked up on it. The Glazers, the family that own it, came out and said they were open to selling a minority stake. Um, they didn't say to Elon. Um, Manchester United's listed though, which is interesting. Um, and so we did some. We did a comparison of Twitter and Manchester United. Which one would you rather buy? Both losing money. Yes, both losing money. Stocks up 20, 20% since the 9th of August. But, yeah. um, both losing money and neither have won an English Premier League game in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> very true, very true. Uh, let's move on, Ren. BHP have had another record year. 
Revenue is up 18% to $72 billion. Profit is up 173% to $30.9 billion. Yes, US dollars. US dollars. Dividend up 8% to $3.25. And um, they've had a massive sell down of their debt to the tune of $4.1 billion a year ago to now only just $300 million. Yeah. Yeah, a bumper result for BHP. I mean, it's a tale as old as time. Well, it's a tale as old as 2022 that uh, commodity stocks have done really well. Mm. The question for BHP shareholders and for the market is, is this the peak? Have iron ore prices and commodity prices uh, and coal prices really for BHP peaked? And are we now going to see them uh, fall away? And is this like the high point in the cycle? I mean, maybe. But you love to see thirty-one billion US dollars in profit you at do. the high point of the you cycle. <laughs> well played to BHP. So Magellan Ren, uh, one of the more uh, well-known fund managers here in Australia, have uh, assets under management are down forty-eight percent. Yeah, and we should disclose that Magellan uh, own a small part of Equity Mates. They do. Um, but yeah, assets under management down forty-eight percent from one hundred and seventeen billion dollars a year ago to sixty-one billion dollars today. Now, yep. fun, the fund management business is all about scale. You make money from your management fee and your performance fee, and the less money you have to invest, the less management and performance fee you're picking up. Well, they still managed to, to uh, turn a profit of four hundred million dollars. Yeah, only down three percent. Yeah doesn't really compare to the 48% down in asset under management. So. Yeah, yeah. Dividend down 15%. Uh, they sold their 12% stake in Guzman and Gomez, yep. the um, Mexican fast food franchise. We made a pretty good return on that as well. Made, yeah, yeah. What a great business. I've definitely contributed to that <laughs> business's return. Guzman, that is, you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's keep moving. Is travel back? Corporate travel management, uh, a stock that I remember when we were at uni was an absolute market darling. It is back in the black. Yeah, so they lost $55 million last year. Not surprising given travel yeah. sort of dried up. A lot of companies weren't using their booking system to book their corporate travel. Yeah. This year they made $3.1 million in profit, so they're back in black. Revenue of $377 million up 117%. But a key watch out here, and I think that's really the takeaway I'm taking from earnings season generally. My overall vibe of the US, Europe, and now Australia is the numbers are good, but there's warnings in the outlook. And the warning in the outlook here, they're finding hiring difficult and they warned of, quote, a global shortage of travel industry people. Mm. So if you're a travel industry person, it sounds like you can probably write your own ticket in terms of where you want to work. Mm. And I feel like that's that labor shortage story is playing everywhere. out everywhere. Yeah. Um, we'll get to retailers in a second, but that sort of theme of good numbers, but watch out in the forecast sort of plays out there as well. Mm. Um, CSL, another a company here in Australia that is uh, loved, dearly loved. Uh, revenue up 3% with profit down 3%. Struggled uh, during the pandemic as blood donations fell. Uh, we all... Um, we all saw that in the headlines. Company now says that they're a two, they're two years behind where they projected in terms of blood donations, which is not great to hear. Uh, we all know the importance of uh, giving blood. Other business lines have done better, though. Their vaccine side of the business sales were up 16% and they hit record volume of 135 million doses being yeah. distributed. Yeah. Um, flu, that was just for flu vaccines. Have you got your flu shot? I haven't actually, and Neither. I got absolutely romped by it. 
<laughs> anyway, winter's almost done. We're coming. We're rounding our way into spring here. You yes, can feel it. Just. Uh, Bryce, but- before we get to your favourite part of the market, the retail part of the market, yep. I want to talk about Tassel, uh, a company we haven't spoken about a lot here, big salmon producer down in Tasmania. They sold 43,000 tonnes of salmon over the last year. It's a lot of salmon, up 15% from the year before. Revenue up 33% to $789 million. Profit up 60% to $55 million. But that's not why I want to talk about them. I want to talk about them because they are the story of persistence. Mm. Uh, You're not going to be able to invest in Tassel for a lot longer because Cook, a Canadian seafood giant, has finally got their target. After three failed uh, bids to take over Tassel. They upped the price every time and they finally got their target. They originally put a bid in at $4.67 a share. They got their target at $5.23 a share. If you're a Tassel shareholder, you won't be for long because the company's getting bought by a Canadian giant. Yeah, two things. Persistence on both sides. Persistence from Cook and I guess persistence from Tassel to get the price they wanted. True, yeah. true. You what? You always reject the first offer. Yeah, always. And the second, it. and the third. <laughs> um, I saw on Twitter that Andrew Brown, who's been on the show many times as well, he I'm pretty sure is a Tassel shareholder and had some commentary around his thoughts on what was going on there. So if you're interested, check out his uh, his Twitter account. Retail Ren. Let's get to it, Bryce. <laughs> You've been chomping at the bit. The last week has been a bumper. Uh, retail report, both in the States and in Australia. Tell us what you've learned. I've learned uh, that it's a story of revenue up, profit down. Yeah. And what does that mean? It means the internal costs of the businesses are going up and they're not passing those on at this stage through to uh, to customers. So Walmart total revenue was $152.9 billion for the quarter, up 8.4%. Can we just pause on that for a second? $152 billion for the quarter I means uh, that's a $600 billion revenue run rate business. Yeah, it's massive. It's just a giant. It's a, yeah, it's a giant. <laughs> who, who hits a trillion dollars in revenue first. You'd probably say Amazon, maybe Alibaba, Walmart. You probably couldn't think of many other businesses that would would get there. No. Well, we should do a comparison between how many companies of the ASX 200 fit into one of Walmart's revenue. Like BHP pumped out 70 billion in revenue. So that's Two and a bit. True, but no, no, the, that was uh, seventy billion for the year. Well, there you this go. This is yes. Walmart for the quarter. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's, let's do take it. That to the Check out our team. social media. You'll see that by the time take this episode's that. released. So anyway, huge, uh, huge revenue up eight and a half percent. Same store sales, a very important measure in retail, up six and a half percent, which is um, pretty impressive. But profit was down six point eight percent. Still turning a profit though of just shy of seven billion dollars for the quarter. Home Depot uh, revenue up 3%, same store sales up almost 6%. Uh, and an interesting one, sales per square foot, which we also measure in retail is 5.7% growth. Again, profit up. Warning though, for the f- for the three-month period, end of July 31, total customer transactions have slipped uh, by the, about a tune of 20 million uh, this time last year. And average ticket grew uh, 9%. Less customers, Less customers buying more. Buying more and increased costs. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see the next quarter. 
from these guys. Anyway, we'll keep going. Super Retail yeah, Group. I mean, it will always be interesting <laughs> to see the next corner. <laughs> Super Retail Group. They're the owner of uh, BCF, Boating, Camping, Fishing, Ren's Favourite Store and Rebel Sport. Revenue up 3%. Profit down 20% though. Uh, but we did see some strong online sales up 44%, now representing a total of 17% of group sales. Good to see. Temple and Webster, um, revenue up 31% to 426 mil, while profit was down a staggering 31%. So uh, all those input costs to furniture getting pumped. All right. And to close it out, Ren, JB Hi-Fi have also reported. Yes. So uh, revenue of 9.2 billion up almost 4%. Profit up uh, to half a billion dollars, up 8%. Dividend up 43%. JB Hi-Fi feels like the retailer that just keeps on keeping on. Um, Mm. For people outside of Australia, they started as like a CD and DVD retailer. And while all the other CD sellers got decimated, Sanity, HMV, they really pivoted and um, they just keep on going. It's pretty impressive. Um, beat analyst forecasts again, but the watch out, as we keep saying, uh, they have warned about you know cost of living pressures and stuff going forward. Mm. Well, there you go. That's a wrap um, for retail. Same story, it seems, around the globe. Increasing revenue, increasing costs, less profit. So, Ren, finally, Disney, a company that we've often spoken about yeah. here on the show, had their best quarter ever. Yeah, yeah. Well, a ripping quarter. Um, added 14.4 million suscri- subscribers. Uh, to their streaming platforms. This this story is well told, so we don't really need to get into it, but they now across ESPN, Hulu and Disney have more subscribers than Netflix, mm. 221 million. First time they've ever reached that. Uh, profit up 50%, not bad. Theme parks. Theme parks are back in a big way, revenue of $7.4 billion for the quarter up from $4.3 billion last year. So they almost doubled their revenue in theme parks. But the thing that caught my eye Disney might be getting into sports betting. Wow. Well, I mean, they have ESPN, so it kind of makes sense. Well, yeah, yeah. Although, did you see Daniel Loeb, the um, activist investor, uh, took a stake and is telling them they should spin off ESPN? Oh, wow. Yeah. I have been really interested in this sports betting thematic. Um, Let's do an industry deep dive on it next week. We can talk about Disney. We can talk about some of these other companies. Um, I think it's it's about time we, we looked at it again. But, yeah, Disney... They're a very family-friendly brand. The fact that Disney is getting into sports betting for me feels like there's a level of acceptance in America that perhaps wasn't there a few years ago. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. It feels That's like because <laughs> you didn't. The no, but what I mean is, yeah, because it, it feels like more and more companies are popping up in in America in sports betting. Right? Well, isn't it wasn't it illegal in most places? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Massively illegal. Yeah, a lot of um match fixing the yeah. like the Chicago Black Sox look up that they threw a World Series because they were fixing the games mm. so yeah it was all banned it's all coming back um, we spoke about IAC late last year maybe they're making a play there but the majority there's a few listed in Australia that are trying to push into America points bet had that big deal with NBC but if you if you're interested in sports betting you got to go to Europe and you've really got to go to the UK um, there's a number of companies there. So let's let's not derail our highly unethical industry deep dive this week, but let's talk sports betting next week. Let's keep moving. You, all you've got here is um, something around FinFest. You wanted to bring it up. Well, yeah. So for people who haven't seen us spamming social media and listened to this podcast, we're holding Australia's biggest finance festival later this year, 15th of October. Tickets are only $47. Yeah. Uh, hear from some of the best experts in Australia. Food trucks, bars, it's going to be a lot of fun. Mm. 
On Netflix, there's a doco train wreck about Woodstock 99. Oh, I watched this on the weekend. Oh, you watched it? Yeah, and it gave me nightmares. (laughs) So I started watching it with my housemates last night. One episode in and I was anxious as all get out. (laughs) I was like, oh, no. Uh, But for different reasons, have you finished it? It, Because they burn the whole thing to the ground. Well, no, I've only seen the first episode, but, I, you know, they've really set it up that it gets worse. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, I was like making mental notes, you know, like they were confiscating water at the front and then water was really expensive. So I was like, all right, we've got to have free water. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, making sure that everyone's comfortable was my takeaway. Yeah. Plenty of toilets, free water, uh, air conditioning if you need it, heat if you need it, don't ban too many things because then it feels like you're at school, all these sorts of things. So we we can guarantee that at FinFest you will be comfortable. All those things are are taken care of. We don't have corn playing to rile the crowd up and corn was a real throwback (laughs) for me. That's a band I haven't thought about in a while. Um, so that's a good sign. But yeah, I was like, oh my God, are we going to have a doco made about us one day? Maybe for good things. But yes, look. If you come to FinFest, don't riot. Don't riot, please. <laughs> but look, tickets are selling quickly. So make sure you jump on equitymates.com slash FinFest. As Ren said, they are only $47. You'll hear from over 50 experts there on the day. And then you can join us for the official after party down at Cargo Bar. Another throwback, depending yeah. on how old you are. Yeah. Down at Cargo Bar here in Sydney um, from 6 p.m. So it's going to be a full day affair. Cannot wait. Plenty of activity and entertainment. We did a release of uh, some of the stages that we're building, the launch pad and the greenhouse on our social yesterday so check us out to get a bit of insight in what it's going to look like yeah or on linkedin all right let's keep rolling now uh i was going to make a joke that one speaker that might be at finfest is this next person that's not even a joke he might be um but let's talk about michael burry because so in america you have to fill out a 13f if you're a big dollar investor and michael burry filled it out recently and it caught our eye and it sparked this industry deep dive. But before we talk about the industry, let's talk about quickly for people who don't know who Michael Burry is. Michael Burry is uh, an investor famously known for calling the financial crisis over in the States, the mortgage, what was it called? GFC. (laughs) (laughs) No, Australia calls it GFC. The, the Big Short is based based on um, the movie The Big Short, based on Michael Burry. He's a hedge fund manager. You will, you will often see when news articles are written about Michael Burry, they use a photo of Christian Bale from yeah. the movie. Yeah. And you know what? If I was Michael Burry, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so he's, he's someone who people actively follow and keep tabs on what he's doing and made headlines when he um, filed his 13F or revealed at least what US securities he has in his portfolio because there's been drastic changes. So let's let's talk about uh, we pulled out his last two 13Fs. Yeah. So let's talk about the one before the one he just filed. Yeah. Biggest holdings. Alphabet. Yeah. Apple. Booking.com. Bristol Myers Squibb. Uh, a number of other companies. He owned Meta. Um, he owned Discovery. Uh, a pretty you know like standard large cap US focused tech yeah. portfolio. Yeah. No real surprises there. Then we get his filing this time. (laughs) Safe to say there were some surprises. Big surprises. He got rid of absolutely everything in the portfolio, but kept one or bought one stock, one single stock known as Geo Group Inc. 
and uh, he bought $3.3 million worth of it. And it grabbed our attention because firstly, he got rid of everything. And secondly, the industry that Geo Group is in is a fascinating one. And this leads us to what we want to do today in our industry deep dive. But before we do that, we're going to take oh, a Oh, no, quick- <laughs> surely we reveal what it is before the ad break. <laughs> Geo Group is a private prison operator. Yes. Well, I knew that private prisons were a thing. I didn't really realise that they were listed. That's my naivety. But that really sparked this conversation in the office. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating what they do, Ren. And we are going to jump into the industry of private prisons straight after this break. So let's take a quick one to hear from our sponsors. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So, Ren, industry deep dive, private prisons. Yeah, for 101, um, most prisons operated by the state. You, your government, your state or federal government will run the prisons. Private prisons get government contracts to run prisons on the government's behalf and they are for-profit mm. companies. They mm. And like, you know, like so many things in government that are outsourced to private industry, this is just another government service that's outsourced is how they would present it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, pretty big over in the States. Well- we assumed pretty big over in the States. Yeah, we did. Turns out bigger in Australia. On a percentage basis yeah. of private prisons? Yeah. Okay, what are the numbers? So these numbers are from 2018. Um, 8.4% of American prisoners were held in private prisons. Now, on a uh, raw numbers basis, it's still going to be higher than Australia. But Sorry, to confirm, it's not 8.4% of prisons. It's 8.4% of total prisoners. Correct. Okay. But I mean, those numbers would probably correlate pretty strongly. Do you reckon? What if one prison holds like 50% of prisoners in Australia? I'm pretty confident it doesn't, (laughs) but sure. Yeah. All right. You got me. You got me. Uh, But turns out that the UK and Australia are both, uh, as on a percentage basis, 
have a lot more private prisons. Well, have a lot more prisoners held in private prisons. Australia's Productivity Commission in 2018 reported 18.4% of prisoners were held in privately operated prisons. Wow. Yeah. Far more than I thought. To be honest, though, if someone said to me, you know, what do you reckon is the percentage of prisoners in private prisons in the States? I would have said like over 50%. Really? Yeah. I thought it far outweighed yeah. Um, government, yeah. government run. Yeah. Because so, you see so much about it. Poor conditions. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so so, so let, in this, let's just talk about the industry a little bit. And then there's three listed stocks, two in the US, one in London, the whole industry just has an ick factor about it for obvious reasons. Like the state shouldn't be outsourcing the deprivation of liberty to private for-profit companies, I mm. think is like mm-hmm. the the overall statement. And mm. we'll get into where people fall. But I guess the, the main argument for private prisons is the same argument for outsourcing any government service, which is that time and time again, private companies have proven to be more efficient than yeah. governments at running certain services. I.e. cheaper. Yeah, I.e. cheaper. Yeah. Now, numbers from Western Australia, um, $270 a day to hold a prisoner in a government-run facility compared to $182 a day to hold a prisoner at the privately operated Arcadia prison. Now, the obvious counterpoint to that is, is efficiency and cost saving what you should be optimising for when you're talking about prisons? Yeah. I would argue probably not. There's probably things like health, education, yeah. prison services where yeah. rehabilitation. sometimes you, you spend more money because it's important to spend money on it. Yeah, yeah. That, that would be just, I don't know, to call me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> not calling you crazy? Completely agree. I guess that brings us to the next point, Ren, which is arguments sort of against private prisons because um, for all the reasons you just mentioned there, whilst, yes, cost from a government point of view is one sort of driving factor to privatise. There are plenty of things that you could argue against. Yeah. So in Canada, they did have private prisons. I don't think they really do anymore. They might have a few, but um, the Canadian government did a study in Ontario of two similar prisons, a government-run facility and a private prison that held similar uh, prisoners. Quote, the publicly run one had measurably better outcomes. So Canada sort of moved away from it. In Israel, they tried private prisons for a little bit, but the Israeli Supreme Court said that for the state to transfer authority for managing the prison to a private contractor whose aim is monetary profit Mm. would severely violate the prisoner's basic human rights to dignity and freedom. Mm. And so Israel struck it down after that. So there's a human rights and ethics argument. But then a 2016 report from the US Department of Justice found that privately operated federal prisons are less safe, less secure and more punitive than other federal prisons. Which all makes sense. Like the incentive at the end of the day for a private business is in most situations to return some sort of uh, shareholder value and in doing so it's going to be a profit-driven game. It's not like the shareholders of these companies are turning around and saying, hey, the KPIs here are uh, rehabilitation outcomes, health, those sorts yeah. of things. So Now, there is, a, there is another argument to be made here, which is you should be able to build an incentive structure for private companies to chase what you want them to chase. So, you know, they, they have certain KPIs that they have to hit and, you know, if like their rehabilitation rates are at a certain percent and you like track prisoners post-release or, you know, the amount of prisoners that get educated while they're in prison or like health outcomes in prison, stuff like that, there's additional payments or there's penalties if they don't reach certain milestones. You could build incentive structures in contracts, arguably, to make the private prison 
operate in the way you want it to operate. But I think the, the long and the short of it is in the world that we're living in right now, those things haven't materialised. Yeah. Or, or if they have been put in contracts, they haven't really worked based on these outcomes. Well, there is a, a pretty intense scandal that popped up while we were researching this one, Ren, and that was the Cash for Kids scandal. Yeah. The name says a lot. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty uh, It's pretty intense. So Mid-Atlantic Youth Services Corp, not a company we're talking about today, not listed. I actually don't know if they exist anymore, to be honest. But they were a private prison company that ran juvenile prisons. They were found guilty of paying two judges, bribing two judges. They spent $2.8 million on bribes. And these judges sent 2,000 kids, 2,000 to these private prisons for tiny crimes, things like trespassing in vacant buildings or stealing DVDs from Walmart. And that's because there was an incentive to- Yeah, numbers game. Yeah. Must have been. They got paid on a per prisoner basis. And so- But isn't that one of the issues over there in the States at the moment? That's why there are so many people jammed into prisons because, well, obviously there's people getting sent for unnecessary reason. That's a whole nother argument. I think that, yeah, you're you're opening a can of worms here. That's a lot bigger. A whole nother argument. But it it is like a, you get funding per, per head kind of vibe. And so it's an economies of scale in some sense, which is- yeah, definitely. Wrong yeah. to sort of suggest. But. Uh, now, I think to be to be fair, some of these contracts are based on beds, regardless of how many of those beds are filled. So the state of Alabama just uh, entered into a 30-year, $3 billion deal for a private company to build and operate a certain number of prisons. That deal might not be dependent on the number of prisoners in those facilities. It might just be... These, uh, these facilities cost X, you know, like it, it, it doesn't need to be tied to the amount of prisoners, but clearly in this case it was, and that incentive structure just led to the most outcomes. So, Ren, that's a bit of a high-level view of, of industry, but we want to get to chatting about some of the companies, at least the listed private prison companies that are over in the States and uh, one in London, none here in Australia. Yeah, mm. although they operate. They exist, yeah. but nothing that's listed. So the first is Core Civic. Uh, they're listed on the New York Stock Exchange. The ticker is CXW, formerly known as Corrections Corporation of America. Um, you can understand why they changed their name. Yes. <laughs> and uh, same with Geo Group. Like it's like, oh, what does Geo Group mean? You look into it, it's... None of their names really reflect uh, what they're doing, but share price uh, for Core Civic was a dollar in two thousand, screamed up to about forty dollars in two thousand and fifteen. So incredible, and uh, has now uh, recovered somewhat and is back down to about ten bucks. Yeah, um, down fifty nine percent in the past five years. Mm. They operate over a hundred detention facilities. They're the largest, America's largest operator of private prisons. And so looking at their revenue, 37% of it comes from state and local governments, mm-hmm. uh, 29% from immigrations and custom enforcement. So they have detention facilities as well. And then 22% from federal prisons, the Bureau of Prisons and the US Marshals. So there's a lot of agencies that build prisons. Diversified. <laughs> well, not really. <laughs> All prisons. So that's that's the biggest one. But then we have the one that Michael Burry is he's operating a one stock portfolio. So tell us about Geo Group. Well, so, yeah, it's an interesting one. Revenue uh it's 
share price is down almost 70% in the past five years. So Barry might be looking at this as an opportunity to jump in, obviously. Uh, revenue breakdown though, 23% from BOP, Bureau of Prisons, of Prisons and uh, 22% from contracts with immigration as well. So when they operate facilities all around the world, they uh, have private prisons and mental health facilities in North America, Australia, South Africa and the UK. Uh, revenue of about $2.2 billion in 2021, that's USD, and a uh, huge amount of employees, 18,000 employees around the world. So pretty large and uh, seems to be Barry's pick of uh, correctional services around the world. But there is one more. There is one more. Uh, over Listed over in London, Serco Group, uh, SRP, they provide a bunch of services for governments around the world, not just prisons, also health, transport, defence, but yeah, big operator of private prisons. There's another one that was listed in London, GS4, G4S, but then they got acquired by some company and then I'm pretty sure Blackstone, the private equity player, rolled them into one of their private equity funds. So there are a number of companies investing in private prisons. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm looking at uh, income, net income, profit for Geo and so since 2017, share prices stumbled 70% thereabouts. Yep. And their profit has almost halved in that same period of time. So uh, super interesting to understand, try and understand why Burry's investing in in a company that uh, over the last one, two, three, four years has had sliding profits, sliding top line revenue as well. So he must be seeing something that we're not. Yeah. And, and, and I think that that sort of gets us to where we are today because- uh, when Obama was in power, right at the end of his term, 2016, he signed an executive order banning federal contracts with private prisons, but that didn't apply to immigration and customs enforcement, just to like for prisons for people who have been convicted of crimes. Um, Trump overturned that order as soon as he took office, and you can see on their share price charts a big dip and a flick up 2016-2017. Joe Biden has re-signed that executive order banning those federal government contracts with private prisons. However, it doesn't include immigration. And so maybe that's the thesis, that there's going to be more immigration enforcement. So sorry, there's no federal government is allowed to engage a private prison yeah. company anymore. Anymore. Everything has to be run by federal government. Correct. And everything that was privately run was overturned? I don't think so. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Interesting. I, I, I feel like there's probably a, they've signed the contracts and to walk away from them now. Yeah. Well, also just the fact that there's a lot of facilities being run that house prisoners that they can't just relocate those prisoners yeah, overnight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. But in maybe a good turn or maybe just an unethical bent, I, I, I just don't know how I feel about all this. Well, I know, I know how I feel about all this. Uh, private prison companies are now looking to expand into new markets, including uh, mental health hospitals, halfway houses, but also rehab and treatment-orientated facilities. And obviously we've seen the opioid epidemic mm, and um, mm. perhaps that's where Burry's like, that's the next opportunity. I, I guess so. But again, if it's um, it's all an incentives game, you know, if you're having people in these facilities, but at the end of the day, it's just a for-profit cost-driven business structure, then our outcome's going to be any better. 
Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So look, I think we probably don't need to say anything more about this. Uh, ethical or unethical? Unethical. Are you investing? No way. <laughs> Hadn't even thought about it. Well, I, I like think- I didn't even know it was, uh, and this is what I like about the world of investing, finding new things all the time, but I, I really, I knew it was a thing over in the States. I'm super surprised at what we're seeing here in Australia. I Yeah, I knew it was a thing over in the States. I didn't know it was a listed thing. That's mm, what really mm. surprised me. I, Put yourself in the shoes of a private prison CEO or owner. Why would you list? Mm. Like maybe it's like I, I want to cash out some of my percentage ownership, but it's like the scrutiny that you get as a public company, it just feels like an industry that just doesn't doesn't need to be listed. Anyway. Anyway. Let's leave it anyway, there. Anyway, <laughs> let's, uh, let's come back next week with an industry deep dive about an industry that is also probably is unethical, but uh, one that is a little bit more interesting, I think. Well, a little bit more uh, exciting, which is sports betting. Yes. Maybe yeah. we just do a full, une- let's do defense after that. <laughs> <laughs> Ren, it's great to chat stocks. As always, we will pick this up next week. Make sure you head to equitymates.com slash FinFest to grab your ticket, only $47. Uh, we've got plenty of experts coming up. Tune in on uh, Thursday and Friday to expert interviews as well. And uh, we'll see you next week. Sounds good. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Equity Mates. We love hearing from you. So drop us a line at contact at equitymates.com or even better, go to your podcast player and leave a five-star review. Also, a reminder that the Equity Mates content train doesn't stop when you've run out of episodes to binge. We've got a brand new website, a Facebook discussion group. We're on Instagram, YouTube, and slowly making our way as an influencer on TikTok. Well, that's Ren. So uh, come and say hello and join the community. We'd love to welcome you. Until next time. Equity Mates Investing Podcast is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast or video. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.